Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Listening to Life Together. Thanks for joining me. My name is Dave Entz. I'm a pastor at 188 Community Church in downtown Winnipeg. On today's episode, we're going to hear from my friend Helen. We're going to hear her tell some of her story. Helen and John are part of uh, are a big part of our faith community, uh, of our little church. In fact, they were part of establishing it a number of years ago and continue to provide leadership in it. And when you hear them talk about it, part of what drew them to this faith community was the commonality that existed, even though uh, amidst, amidst our diversity. That is, what I mean is, even though within our community we can all seem quite different, as you do life together, you see that there is a sameness that is that is there, and that's something that's been attractive to them. So for Helen, this has been especially true in the area of mental health. For us as a community, it's important to talk about and seek to address issues related to a person's mental wellness, because when we're honest, it impacts a lot of us. It's not just about people downtown, or people struggling with addictions, or people... Uh, caught in in kind of systemic things. It's just mental wellness and and mental unhealth impacts a lot of us. And as you will hear, Helen is not shy about her own journey and her own struggles with her mental health and about the role that her faith in Jesus and the church community has played. And through this all, Helen has become an advocate, particularly for those who find that they lack the resources to deal with mental health issues. So I hope that you enjoy another story from our, uh, our faith community, and uh, I pray that God will bless you as you take time to listen. I'm sitting here with my friend Helen, who is part of our 188 Church community, her and her husband John. And uh, Helen, it's great to have you here today, and thank you for taking time to share your story with us. Thank you. I feel honored to be able to, he- to be here and, and add to the work of 188. Well, and, and you're appreciated. You and John, your family are appreciated as part of this community too. And so it's great to be able to, to hear you. So give us some context for who you are, where you come from, that kind of stuff. You know, all those kind of beginning questions just as we start this storytelling. Right. Um, well, if you would have asked me who I, who I am years ago, I would have said I'm a teacher and I would have stuck with that. My mm-hmm. identity was so wrapped up in my, in my uh, profession. But um, really, I'm, I'm a child of God. Mm. God took care of me before I was even born because I was born to a teenage mom who um, couldn't keep me. Her boyfriend had taken off and her dad said, you can't take care of this kid. And, and in the 60s, there weren't a lot of social service programs for single moms. Right. Right. So um, I'm so grateful that my mom gave me up for adoption and that God placed me in a Christian family. Hmm. I grew up in Winnipeg, mom and dad, no brothers and sisters, honestly say life was kind of uneventful. Um, I was generally a happy kid growing up. Grew up in North Kildonan, educated in North Kildonan, and uh, now live and work in North Kildonan. Okay. Have you ever lived anywhere else besides North Kildonan? I did. Uh, When I graduated my Bachelor of Education, I I applied for a job in California. Actually, a whole bunch of people from from my graduating class heard about jobs that were available there. So one day we jumped on a plane, went for the interview, flew back not knowing anything. And then we got a call and said, you're hired. So I, at 22, I packed up and I, um, I moved to California with my best friend and my favorite cousin. Wow. So 
Yeah. And how and long I, were you there for? I was only there for a year. Um, that kind of was a turning point in my life. And I really wanted to get back to my family, to my church, and to my education system and okay. my health care system and all those kinds of things. So sure. I, st- I stayed there for a year. Okay. And then I uh, lived in Winkler for two years as I was teaching. And I'd probably still be there. But this tall, dark, and handsome man... He uh, asked me to marry him, and I said yes, and then I came back to Winnipeg. So a little jaunt out into the world, nice. and then back. And then back to Winnipeg. Yeah. Okay, so a tall, dark, and handsome man. When did, like, when did you meet John? <laughs> he is the tall, dark, <laughs> oh, handsome Oh, that's who you're talking about. Yes, yes. Oh, okay, yes. okay, never mind, sorry. Maybe we'll have to cut, cut that part out. No, no, keep it in. <laughs> So what did you, uh, you taught, now you just said your identity was teaching, mm-hmm. which you don't want it to be anymore, but what no. did you teach? I taught elementary school, Okay. and uh, grades two and three, and I also taught uh, German, grades four to six, and I was a resource teacher for most of my teaching uh, life, so I worked with kids who had behavior and learning difficulties, and really enjoyed it, except oh, nice. for the paperwork. Well, yes. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. So I'm, I'm intrigued by that comment that I would have, you know, if you asked me that question a few years ago, this is how I would have answered it. And now I answer it differently. I answer it as a child of God. Yeah. And the question of identity, of course, is a really pressing question today, that, that sense of what, what gives us our identity. What, what's changed that you would answer that differently? Oh, so, it's, it's a big question and it's a long answer. Okay. So sit back and okay. listen. <laughs> I think it was 2013. Life was clipping along at a good pace for me, and I loved the life I had built for myself when I look back. Mm -hmm. Our daughter Bethany started developing um, symptoms of, uh, started showing symptoms of an eating disorder. Okay. And so at first you're kind of like, maybe this is just a little stage because she wanted to do some dieting. We were going on on a trip to Florida, and it quickly turned into something really, really ugly. Mm. My own mental health was taxed at that time. The relationship with John was taxed at that time. Right. My anxiety and depression got so bad that I needed to take w- time off work. And so at first you're thinking, oh, okay, it'll be like six weeks. And then it's three months. And mm-hmm. then it's six months. And it just kept going on and on and on. And my whole identity had been in I was a successful teacher. Oh, okay. People loved me. Okay. And now all of a sudden, I had to stay home and watch over my child right. who was suffering and having to see that day by day. And my husband was at work, and I couldn't lean on him. And even when he did come home, because he started to come home late because he didn't want to deal with what was going on in the house, yeah. I was just like, God, God, what, who am I? Like, I, I was a teacher. Like, what am I supposed to be now? Yeah. Yeah. And I realized quickly that I wasn't, my identity wasn't as a teacher. My identity was a child of God. And I had to dig down deep and believe that and live that. And having come from there, this long journey that I've been through, we've been through, um, I realized, you know, I'm a child of God. And God places me in places where he wants me to use my experience, my skills, my knowledge to to honor him and to further his kingdom. So I'm at Mm. that place now. Everything that I do, God helped me to be a blessing, even I prayed that before this podcast. Right. God, please right. help me to be a blessing for this. Help me to say the things you want me to say for the purposes you want me to say them, to reach the people you want me to reach them. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of how 
I work, that's my operandi. What's that? Modus operandi. That one. Or um, MO, maybe. Let's just yeah. stick with MO. <laughs> that's my MO now. That's your MO. Yeah. So, I mean, that, you said you, you went over that pretty quickly, the idea that mm-hmm. this used to be my identity, but now I see myself this way. What were some of the factors? Because I imagine it's, it was more than just one day you woke up and said, okay, I, my identity is no longer found in my career that gave me some sense of success. My identity is now found in being a child of God. What were some of the factors that helped you transition for that? Was it, was it the crisis? Was it the, I don't know, I'm at the end of my road. I don't know my rope. I don't know what else to do. And that's all that's left. What helped you walk that journey? Because I imagine that's a big question for a lot of people. How do you make that transition when we... Well, it was definitely the two things that you said. Okay. It was the crisis, and I was at the end of my rope. I went to bed every night crying my my eyes out, my heart out, like, God, help us, God, help us, God, help us. Please help her. Please, I, I pray that she'll get well. I pray that yeah. you'll restore my marriage because things were pretty rocky. And then one day, I just, I can even see myself just laying there, and I went, okay, God, have it all. What do you want me to do? Yeah. I just kind of let my finances, my marriage, my everything, just take take it and use me. And you know what? That was the moment of letting go, surrendering to him. And things just actually started getting better. Yeah. That big load that I carried that I had to solve life's problems was gone. And I, and I took every day, okay, one minute at a time. Okay, literally, we were down to, I was down to, I can do this. It's one minute at a time. Okay, it's one hour. To, I, can, I can deal with this for another hour. And then it became half days, and then became days, and then became weeks. And it didn't get, like, super easy, like, la-ti-da, let's tiptoe through the tulips. Yeah, yeah. But every day I saw God's blessings, and I just realized, you know what? He is on my side. Yeah. He's helping me. We're going to get through this. I don't know what it's going to look like. I know what I want it to look like. I don't know what he wants it to look like. But, you know, I tried on my own strength and my own ways. Right. And just crashed, flopped yeah. miserably. Oh, I appreciate you sharing that. I, I want to jump back a little bit to your, to your growing up years, because um, mm-hmm. there's a question I want to ask you. you. You mentioned it in relation to exhibiting symptoms of mental unwellness. So let's jump back to that, those growing up years. What, what were some of the things that, that shaped you in your, in your growing up years? Well, I can honestly say that it was, uh, family was big. Because I was an only child, my parents carted me everywhere, and uh, there were a lot of people of faith in my family. I didn't even know mm. that they were that it was shaping me. But I did attend uh, church as a as a young child. I kind of played hooky a lot when I ended up as a teenager and a young adult. My parents got me to go to uh, Pioneer Girls, so oh, there yeah. was an element of some young adult mentors yeah. who breathed life into me. And uh, I attended Camp Arnis, so there, you know, oh, yeah. I, I I was getting some influence from a whole bunch of different places and I'm pretty sure it was my grandma's and my mom's prayers that kept me going and kept me alive and are are still helping me yeah in life's journeys yeah so and on one on one hand it, it sounds you know for for people who grow up in fairly traditional Christian homes that sounds fairly normal right mm-hmm. boys club girls club yeah. go to camp that kind of thing and yet we recognize I think that that normal is, uh, what's the saying? Normal is just a setting on the washing machine, on the dryer, yeah. on the so washer. My psychiatrist uh, told me. Okay, yeah. 
Normal's just a setting, setting on, on the a, dryer. On the, yeah, on the dryer. As you look back and, and reflect backwards on your childhood, mm -hmm. the issues of mental health are, are, are talked about a lot more these days than they were in our growing up years. I mean, you, you kind of dabbled in the 60s. I didn't quite get there, but 60s, 70s, 80s, right? Didn't, you, you didn't talk about, it wasn't even a thing. It wasn't nothing to talk about. You didn't, you didn't really. I think we're, you know, as a society, I think we're beginning to understand mental health more of a, as a spectrum than we are as either something you have or you don't have. Right. Talk about when you began or how you began to be aware of your own mental health and then how that helped contribute as, you know, because again, you talked about, about your daughter uh, many years later in 2013. Do you, do you have a sense of when you started being aware of your own mental health or even looking back to see what was, were, were I there did, issues I didn't there? even realize it was mental health. I thought I had some quirks. I, uh, as a, a young child growing, like I can't say that I lived an anxious life. Like, yes, some things made me anxious or whatever, but yeah. I had a lot of tics, vocal tics, facial tics. Okay. And my... Um, I remember one aunt, she was always <laughs> annoyed with it. <laughs> should stop that or you're gonna st it's going to stay that way, you know? Oh, yeah, classic. And uh, so yeah. I still have those tics, but I cover them up. They're no longer on my face. Oh, I, tw I twitch my legs. Hmm. It re it's, it's somehow a release. So I've learned how to cope. Cause <laughs> so yeah. you just learn how to tick in a different way. Then in grade five, I, s I started experiencing anxiety attacks, but I didn't know that's what they were. And I remember my mom having to walk me to school because I was so fearful of ending up there because I was sure that I was going to have some kind of panic attack. Okay. Now, that's, that's a time when um, this hormonal change is happening. And I really think there is an element to that, too. I'll, just, I'll, I'll come back to what I, I'm, yeah, I'm saying, yeah, but yeah. I'll just jump ahead to Bethany. What she, what she tells me is that in grade 8, she began to feel really, really sad for no reason at all. Mm. And you know, that's a time when there's a lots of hormonal changes Absolutely. too. And in me going through menopause, there was a period of time where the meds I were on were not working for me like they had once. And so again, I'm, I'm thinking there's a hormonal component to me, my daughter. Yeah, so you know, that was grade five and I developed some anxieties about you know speaking in front of class and reading in front of class, but that doesn't really stick out because there's so many people who have that. And as for mental health, like, it was never discussed. I, I can't say it was a taboo, like, people didn't want to discuss it. I don't even think they knew what to discuss. Like, there were some weird people in our families, people, some people who did some weird things. Yeah. Like, I had, a, I had an uncle who stepped in front of a Winnipeg bus, st stepped off the curb on a Winnipeg bus. And I remember going over to their house to visit, and my aunt was always annoyed that my, my uncle wasn't working. Like, he doesn't work. Mm. You know, he just sits at home. Yeah. Can't get him to work. Well, now again, looking back, oh, he was probably experiencing clinical depression because there probably weren't supports. It wasn't talked about. Like, right. you're a man, why aren't you going to work? Exactly, right? You know? There wasn't even a category there for wasn't us even to, a category. to explore that. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, life, life went on. I had a few anxiety attacks in university, but they didn't, they didn't fester, didn't become anything like a panic disorder or whatever. It was during times of stress. Okay. But my first major dis the depressive episode um, came when I was teaching. I was in my third year teaching. And w when I look back, it was like, 
it, it was a burnout depression. Like I just mm-hmm. gave it all and I had no energy. And like, again, there wasn't any significant life event. Um, you know, n- nobody died, you know, nothing right. like that. Right. It was just like one day I hit a wall with teaching and I could barely get out of bed. You know, back, sure. back to my identity was teaching. Like yep. I gave it all to teaching. I yep. had nothing left for anybody else. And then when I ran out of my own steam, I was no good to anybody. So. And then the family you would have grown up in, I don't mean specifically, but the mm-hmm. tradition you would have grown up in, the only thing better than eating baked food was to work hard, right? Yeah. Like you worked hard. That's yeah. what God wants you to do. That's what being a follower of God is about. You work hard. You work hard. That yeah. doesn't leave a lot of room to deal with some of our other issues that, that are, are part, of our, part of our lives. Yeah, and so then in my third year of teaching, I had to go on disability for a while. Okay. And uh, that's when my doctor uh, referred me to a psychiatrist because I clearly needed some medication. This wasn't a well, because I'm a very positive person, optimistic, positive person. But when your biochemistry doesn't allow you to be happy, right? Yeah. then you need medication. And so, yeah, and... So I got, you know, some counseling from him too. And How was, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by this idea that you're in, uh, I forget what you said, fifth grade? Yeah. Where your mom walked you, you asked your mom to walk you to school. What yeah. was, was she supportive of that? What, what, like yeah, what? absolutely. Okay. I had the best mom. Oh, it's beautiful. The best mom for me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, she was always encouraging and uh, praying for me, praying with me. Yeah. So you've, you've developed over time an awareness of, of mental health mm-hmm. within yourself. And it's also become, I think, a larger part of your, of your life's journey, right? Understanding yep. it, being an advocate in it, yep. those, those kinds of things. So, so within your own wellness, what, are, what have been some elements, what have been some things that have been important to that, to that journey? Well, the thing important for my own mental health journey has been God. Number one, yeah. no ifs, ands, or but. If, if, if I didn't have him, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be alive. I mm. probably would have committed suicide somewhere along the line because that's where my hope lies. You know, my hope lies in that God's going to be with me and help me on life's journey. Yeah. And that one day I will end up, you know, living eternally with him with none of these things that I have to deal with on earth. Um, but definitely my faith community you know, surprisingly, I've, I've had a lot of support. Even when, you know, mental health is like a taboo, it's yeah. discussed yeah. or whatever. There, there's always been some of my friends or some of my family who have understood it. Mostly because there's mental health issues on both sides of my, my family. Oh, like okay. my dad's side and my mom's side. And so I'm adopted, so I don't have any of their genes. Right. But there are on both sides. So there was always somebody who I knew would understand me and I would gravitate to them. Yeah. Um, the more people I talk to, the more people have mental health issues. They yeah. just don't let you know about it. So there's always been somebody in my faith community, even here at church. Yeah. Some people I can relate to really w- well because we have that common, I'll call it a common thread, right? Yep. Yeah. On yeah. different spectrums. You know, I was, I was lucky also when I was... Re- referred to a psychiatrist. My first psychiatrist is a Christian psychiatrist. I didn't even ask for one. This is, again, God's goodness mm. over the years. Yeah. Yeah. I got to see a Christian psychiatrist. When he retired, I was referred to somebody else. I now see a Jewish psychiatrist. Isn't that wonderful? I yeah. still get to talk about God. You yeah. know, Our theolo- theology is a little bit different, but there's that common thread. Absolutely. And then when I wanted to see a counselor that I could kind of dump on every week, 
God found me a Christian counselor. Like, he, he was so good um, for me. I also started a grace group. It's a mental wellness group for women. And first I thought I was going to be facilitating it, but I ended up becoming kind of a part member. So I'd go to this support group every week that I was going to facilitate for others, and I found like I, there was even more healing for me. Um, because, yeah, when you give back, it comes back to yeah, you. Yeah, for sure. But, for again, sure. I felt community because a lot of these moms were dealing with teenage and young adult kids who had mental health issues and was taxing their mental health issues. So I, I really felt part of that group. Um, I've talked about medication. I have been on medication since my 20s. Okay. There is no not trying. We did that. I ended up in the hospital. So you see medication as, as a helpful part of this I do. Part of this whole, yeah. I do. Yeah, no, no I appreciate, appreciate you saying um, that. You know, sometimes de- depression is situational. You know, you've lost a loved one and you go through a depression. Yeah. And you can work through that. But when your biochemistry isn't right and mine is not right, there, there's no vitamins, there's no chiropractor, there's no anything that is going to, might help it, but it's not going to help enough. So I, I need medical intervention. That's, that's for my story. Yeah. And yeah, all sure. I say to people is, don't not look into it. Yeah. That makes sense. Don't not look into it. Look, yeah. I know there's all kinds of scary side effects like, oh, it can make you more depressed and stuff like that. But if you are under a doctor's care, and if you start slow on a, on a medication, like small doses, and go for check-ins every couple of weeks so they can up your dose, then most likely nothing's going right. to happen. Right. But I, I'll be totally honest. Some medications were terrible for me. Yeah. Some made me really high. No. And some, within days, I could see my depression was getting worse. And I thought my depression was bad, but with medications, it got worse. But, you know, over the years, we found out which classes of medication work with me. So Yeah, I mean, I appreciate you saying that. I think it's part of that common grace that God extends to us mm-hmm. is, is through a medical community that can, can help us with those things. I think the way you've identified, you know, there are some situations where you've had an event that creates mental unwellness in you, but sometimes there's there's just things going on in your body that need some help to get back on on, on level ground, right? On so yeah. you can have a solid foundation to to build off of. Yeah, and and even one of the ladies in my grace group, she said there were times in her life when she went through crises, and she had to be on a little bit of medication for a little while, but then was able to yeah. come off. Yeah. So there's options. Yeah. What I'm hearing in your story, which I really love is how significant the community or the environment in which you found yourself has been to this journey for you. You know, yeah. it starts with a mom who's willing to walk you to school in grade five because you're having some anxiety attacks to a family that you're not genetically connected to, but of course you're very connected to, mm-hmm. and yet you have community there yeah. that will be willing to listen to you, to, uh, to psychiatrists and counselors. Like, you've had this community, and, and even the grace groups, which... Yeah. like to talk about a little bit more later, but you know, you know these grace groups, which you, you're finding the environment, you're finding the places where you can, I guess, feel safe about this eh, and, and find the support you need to, to yeah. journey through it. I think that's a really beautiful picture you're giving oh, us absolutely. here. Oh, I can't even imagine where I'd be if I didn't have my faith community. Yeah. There, there are some things, though, that I have to do myself. And, absolutely. And this... I talk about in the mental wellness group, support groups I've, I've run, God gives you certain skills, knowledge, wisdom, and he expects you to act on those. 
if I'm just going to lay in bed and go, I'm so depressed, there's nothing I can do for myself, I'm not going to mm. get well. There are certain things that I've had to, have to do for myself. Uh, a big one is um, prayer. The minute I open my eyes, I say, thank you, God. I tell him what my day plan is and thank him for a good night's sleep and all that stuff. And then I go about my day, and then, and then when I go to bed, I pray again. I mean, I pray during the day when things come up, you know, oh, God, help us with this. Or yeah. uh, Again, when I, I lay down, the first thing I do is I lay out my praises for him. Um, this kind of happened from the, from the journey that I'll call the journey with my daughter. Okay. Um, I remember reading something from Lisa Turkers. She's the um, president of... Proverbs 31 online ministries and she said you, sh <coughs> you should thank God for one thing every day even if it's Taco Tuesday. I read it in one of her books and I thought okay I think life is pretty crummy right now but I think I can I think I can say one thing that I'm grateful for. So I did that for a few days and then I thought this is silly. I'm pretty sure I can come up with five. It just kind of mushroomed and ballooned. Oh, nice. So before I even ask God for a whole bunch of things, the petitions, I lay out 20 praises for him. They are praises for the day. Thank you for the sunny weather. Thank you that I can go to 188 and share my story. And I go through the day, and I think of all the wonderful blessings that I've received during the day, and I, I thank God for those. And then I lay out my petitions. And I can honestly tell you that an attitude with gratitude has made my mental health stronger, the journey easier. easier. When you just see how good God is, yeah. Then you have hope and joy in that day yeah. and in that moment. The other thing, um, I need to do devotions. There's another thing that Lisa Turkers talked about. She talked about exchange whispers with God every morning before shouts of the world. So there's an app that they have, which, which I subscribe to. And, and so before I do anything else, I'm doing my devotions. And that's, that's important for my mental health journey. I also do a lot of listening to music. Okay. CHVN, you know, I have to crank my tunes. Yeah. And uh, they just pump positive thoughts into my head wherever I am, in the car, in the house. Um, probably to the chagrin of my kids, but, you know, that, that's all good. <laughs> They'll get over it. And then the other thing is um, I, I've read a lot of biographies for, from people who have gone, have gone, have journeyed a mental wellness journey. And uh, I find a lot of inspiration from reading their stories and realizing, you know, I'm not the only one. Yeah. I yeah. know for my, for my daughter, she, th she thought she was the only one. And one day I told her, Bethany, everybody has something. Yeah. Some people are just really good at covering up, covering it up. And she, she had this look on her eyes like, really? And now she realizes the more she talks to people and gets to know people, everybody has something. Everybody's got something. But we're so busy trying to cover it up because that's what the world says we should do because we're right. supposed to be strong and capable and... And not have to rely or have to depend or, or need anybody's help. Right, self-sufficient. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no. That's, that's a dangerous I'm so, combination. I'm so not self-sufficient <laughs> No, excellent. I thought yeah. I was. So over, over the course mm -hmm. of your journey, one of the things that I see you becoming is an advocate for, for mental health and for, pe for people understanding their own mental health and mental wellness. I mean, I think the grace groups are part of that. You've written a book which outlines your own experience. Uh, specifically, I, I think very much tied into your, your, uh, the journey with Bethany and things like that. 
you're becoming an advocate for mental health awareness in the church in particular, but also think more generally as well. What's your experience been with that for, um, for those kinds of places, whether it be the church or, or other places? Right. So there's actually a couple of categories that I'd like to speak to. Yeah, do it. I've already spoken a little bit about family. Like I, I know who I can go to to talk about s- certain things. My experience with the church has been positive, quite positive. I know when we were struggling with, it was dealing with the disease. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, we didn't go f- to church for a couple of months, not because we didn't know we needed God. We were just so tired. And when you go to church and somebody says, how are you doing? <laughs> and you know that question's going to come up. Yeah. And you have no energy to even answer that. You can't even fake it. You can't even fake it. Yeah. You cannot fake it till you make it. Yeah. So we stayed home and we did church by TV. But I did feel the Holy Spirit urging me to go. So the one Sunday we went, we attended Eastview. And I remember going to Delbert. And he said, welcome back. I know we haven't seen you, but I'm so glad you're here. And I just let it all out, uh-huh. what was going on. Yeah. And he was just so gracious there was no condemnation, no judgment. He was just so gracious. Yeah. And I felt like, oh, okay, I can come to this place. Yeah. And then after I wrote my book, I was asked to be a speaker at the woman's tea. Again, my anxiety told me not to do it. Mm. But the Holy Spirit prompted me, okay, what would he want me to do? So it was a miracle that I got up in front of 90 women and told my story. After I did my speaking, many women came up to me and said, thank you for sharing your story. Thanks for many things. And I remember the last lady I spoke to, I said, wouldn't it be nice if we can always come to church and talk about this? And she looked at me and she said, I'll be looking forward to when that group starts. And I went, did I just suggest something? (laughs) So I went home and the the thought wouldn't go away. So I contacted Delbert and said, you know what? I'm thinking that maybe I can run a mental wellness support group at church. And he was in Spain or somewhere in Europe on vacation. He emailed me back right away and said, we've been looking for somebody who can lead a group. Mm. We'd love Mm. to have you. Now, that was my experience with church. I did have an experience with a different pastor, retired, and I'm glad because when I spoke of the book I wrote about the journey Bethany and I had been on, he referred to that we had demons. Right. And I thought, oh my goodness. There are people who are hearing that. They don't pray enough. They don't have enough faith. They're possessed or whatever. And I am so sad for those people. Like, oh, to hear that, that is so wrong. Yeah. So that was, that's my experience with the church. Yeah. But I mean, over here too, you know, at 188, I can come be who I really am and I'm not going to be judged. And that's a real biggie for me. Yeah, it is. I do have some experiences from work that weren't so pleasant. It's interesting. I moved to several different schools over the years, and I think God just knew which school I needed to go to because there were always a few people who gravitated to me. Mm. And not that I had shared my mental health journey with them, but they were struggling with mental health, and they felt like they needed to come to talk to me. Helen, can I talk to you about this? And I'm just thinking okay, what? And they share their struggles with me, and I'm going like, I haven't even mentioned my story. How do you know? Mm. But I just know God had placed me in places that people needed to talk. They, need, they wanted to be heard. They wanted to be supported. Yeah. So that was my experience with employees, but my experience with the higher-ups administration wasn't so pleasant because when you're on fire and really soaring in your career, 
they love you. You need to take some time off for mental health, and all of a sudden, you fall off the grace ladder with them, mm -hmm. and you're no longer needed, appreciated. So that really, really bothered me um, in the school division that I, I ended up last, and I, I won't say who they are. So yeah, I've had experiences with different organizations or systems or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Some of them positive, some of them not so positive. So what can be done better? It's a big question. Right. And I guess so it's just, you know, big picture kind of stuff. Like what, what needs, to, what can be done better? Well, number one answer for me is education. I'm so glad that people are stepping out of their comfort zones and telling their stories because we really are connected. And, and I think we've learned that we need each other. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to hear people's stories. We need to hear their struggles. We need to hear the joy and hope that exists even within, within the struggle. And I think mental health needs to be taught earlier in schools, how to relate to people, how to set boundaries for ourselves, learn practical strategies to help ourselves. We need to have more conversations at workplaces, at churches. We need more groups to attend. We also need a lot more free resources. To be able to see a psychiatrist these days, I think there's like an 18-month wait. Yeah, it's a very long. That's very the long. only free mental health practitioner because many people cannot afford psychologists who are running at $250 an hour or even therapists who are running at $100 an hour. If you have trauma or something that needs long-term attention or intervention, I should say, then we need good free mental health resources. I'll be graduating with my applied counseling certificate so I can help people even more. However, I am not considered a therapist right. or a psychologist or psychiatrist. There also needs to be less stigma in the workplace. Um, employers have got to understand mental health. So what's your hope for all of this? You know, like the, with, with your advocacy, the grace groups, your applied counseling degree, all these things mm -hmm. you're doing, what, what's, what's your hope? Like what's the big picture hope for you? Well, for me, and I'll go back to when I wrote my book, Yeah. because my counselor suggested that I write a book. And I thought, what? Why would I write a book? And I went home and again, I felt bothered by what she said. Mm. It was like the Holy Spirit is prompting me. Yeah. I said, okay. I sometimes do this with God. Okay, and show me. If you want me to write a book, then you provide something that I know that you want me to do this. And the very next day, when I was doing my devotions, and I was reading something from um, Rick Warren, I'm not sure which scripture it was. You probably know it, the number and the book or whatever, but it's talking about comforting others with the same comfort that you were given mm. and that was like okay he's talking to me again <laughs> i gotta do what he yeah. wants me to do yeah so with with the grace groups and with my certificate and with my life experiences you know personally and as a mom i just really want to help people and mm. comfort others with the same comfort that i have been given by god yeah but also by others yeah. who themselves are full of the Holy Spirit and have been encouraging me and uh, supporting me. You know, I don't want anybody to go through what I went through with no help. That's, that's, that's a lonely, that's a sad place to be. I want people to feel joy and hope 
And if I can use what I've been through, plus the wisdom, skills, and knowledge that God has gifted me to be able to do that, I, I do have a hope for the world. Yeah. Can I, sh- can I share that do. too? Yeah. I did talk about education as being one of the elements. I'm not sure the whole world's listening to this, but <laughs> what? Let's, let's get it out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is really the breaking yeah. of stigma. Stigma in families, stigma in social cir- uh, friendship circles, stigma in the church, stigma in the workplace. We are not going to get anywhere if we don't get information, education, whatever you want to call it. And for people to step out of their comfort zone and tell their story. I'll be totally honest. Like if this was 20 years ago and I had to share that I had mental health issues because I tried to cover it up so well, yeah. you know, everything's fine. Yeah, no, yeah, nothing's yeah. bothering me. I don't care if anybody from high school now knows that I have mental health issues. I really don't care if somebody doesn't like my story. I'm not here to please them. I'm here to please God and carry out his will. And so if you have a story, please, please share it. Your chapter that you share can be the chapter to somebody else's survival guide. Mm. Because people need to hear from different angles how people are making it through whatever their struggles. If we all sit silent, uh, we're all going to, I won't say die a slow, sad death, but... <laughs> That's good. But it's not healthy. It's not healthy. Oh, it's Certainly. not healthy. It festers then. It, it, it festers. This is the other thing. When I, sh- when I did the grace groups, people who signed up for my group, I went like, you're coming to my group? Mm. Why? You seem to have such a perfect life. Right. They, were lo- they, they looked like the perfect people walking around. And then when they shared their story, I had no idea that's what you guys were dealing with. So create that space where we can... We Create can have a safe space, space a, a safe space safe where we can be open space about where we can have conversations. Yeah. Conversations. I mean, you know, you know, this community, I'm going to say our, our church community here yeah. at 1A, because you're part of it. Yeah. You and John are part of it. You've talked about how big your environment has been and the community you've had around mm-hmm. you for it to be, for you to, to journey well through this. Yeah. You know, and I think about so many people within our community here who don't, who don't have, who are caught in the environment that is creating the mental health issue mm. for them. Yeah. And whether that be brought on by, by trauma, past trauma, by addictions, by, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think that idea of creating a safe space for it mm. becomes even more significant, yeah. particularly for those who don't really have any other safe space. And if you don't think your story is significant, it is. Yeah. Well, it's exactly. huge. Exactly. If you can help one person, your story, wherever you, whoever you are, wherever you're from, whatever your background, yeah. your story is going to help someone. And sometimes it's the pe- per- people you think the least, the people you think look like they've got it all together or are perfect or are succeeding. Yeah. Take that step. God will honor you. He will strengthen you. He de- I'm, I'm back to this quote. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. Yeah, nice. So if he calls you to tell your story to somebody or to a group, he's going to equip you. He's going to give you the strength and courage to say it. Yeah. And in the end, you're going to be blessed in a way that you never thought possible. Yeah, beautiful. You've talked about your book a couple times. What, mm-hmm. what, uh, what's the name of it? When did you do it? It's, what, it's where called is it? Pressing On, okay. The Blessed Journey Alongside a Daughter with an Eating Disorder. Okay. And I call it The Blessed Journey because every chapter starts with, it's the blessing of faith community, the, the blessing of church, the blessing of professionals, the blessing of friends. As I journeyed on, I realized I was being blessed in different ways. 
And I wrote it back in, I think, 2014. Okay. Um, I didn't get on the advertising bandwagon or anything like that with book tours and everything like that. Yeah. I wasn't in a good space to be able to do that. Okay. God gave me what I needed to be able to write the book. And where, if a person wants it, where can they get it from? You can get it at Hull's in Winnipeg and Steinbach. Okay. But you can also get it on uh, Friesen Press. You can also get it on Amazon. You I guess they could connect there. with us too here yeah. and then we yeah. could connect with you and you connect yeah. with them. And Well, Helen, thank you so much for taking time. Thank you for being willing to share your story. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. And it's, uh, it's a gift. It's a gift to our community here and I hope it's a gift to the community that's uh, starting to listen into these, these podcasts as well. Thanks, Helen. I appreciate your time. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, it's been an honor. Well, thanks for taking time to listen in. If you have questions or comments about today's podcast, feel free to connect with me. You can do that through our website, www.188.org. That's O-N-E-8-8 dot O-R-G. And, and again, I want to say that mental health, mental wellness is something that we want to and need to take seriously. If you're in the Winnipeg area and you need someone to walk with or you need some help finding resources, give us a call. And again, you can find that on our website, 188one88.org. More and more, there are resources that are available to you, and I, I encourage you to, to seek, you, seek them out. So thanks again for being part of this. I'm praying that God would bless you and keep you as you go through the, your day and that you will know you are loved. Be well. Go in peace.